Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to the CPF Firewire. I'm CPF President Brian Rice, and today we're going to continue our conversation about the Sacramento firefighter strike of 1970. Dick Mayberry was a young firefighter in October of 1970 when over 400 Sacramento firefighters walked off the job. It was a galvanizing event for his local and a pivotal moment in the history of firefighters and organized labor. Dick eventually became the president of the Sacramento Area Firefighters Local 522 and a member of the California Professional Firefighters Executive Board. Here now is part two of my conversation with Dick Mayberry. The vote was taken. You vote um, 98% to go out on strike. Let's go from that point. What was your role as a Sacramento firefighter and local 522 member? Not an executive board member, but a rank and file firefighter member. Well, let me preface this by saying this was this was a, the hardest decision, I think. It, it was an easier decision for the younger guys, but it was the hardest decision that could ever been made. Uh, you know, in, in in a career where where those firefighters, older firefighters, had to make a decision that they had a sworn you know uh, oath, uh, and 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 to to take that sworn oath and, and put it into context. Uh, of work, you know, we have a sworn oath, but we also have uh, uh, the right to be respected and be treated fairly. So, so if you're not going to do that, then our sworn oath, you know, you violated it to the extent we're going we're we're going to, you know, put ourselves, we're going to walk on strike, because because you know if you can't honor your your part of of, of the deal, then we're not going to honor our part of the deal either. And, and thinking <laughs> and, about. It, it, the whole time, just listening, and, and I, I try to put myself in the shoes of an older, a veteran, 20, 25-year firefighter, and you saying that, it, I realize how important that oath is. And it's always been important to me. It's, it's always. It's, 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 it's in our heart. Yes, you know. exactly. And to, and to, to be there and, and realize I, I have to put this aside for what is right. And that's not even thinking about, I'm essentially terminating myself. I'm essentially, in those days, probably walking away from a pension. I, I have no doubt that the, that the protections on your pension were probably not very good. The, the risk um, to do that, is, to me, is daunting. I have the greatest respect for, 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 for the, particularly those older fires, the, the, the greatest respect in the world, you know, uh, it, that was that was the hardest thing for them to have probably yet you know other than you know a loss of family life or or a loss of you know uh, maybe a marriage or something like that it was it was like going to be a loss of your job that you had dedicated a lot of years to and 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 they put the union and uh, and our and our purpose and and the need they you know first and foremost it's it's in go ahead no didn't want to interrupt you yeah, no i'm sorry but you know, it, there was obviously the day of the strike. One shift got off, and there was no shift to come in to take it, to take our places. Where, so, where were you assigned? What was your assignment as a firefighter? And let's let's start from that day when the last shift went off duty. Um, where were you, where were you assigned, and what what was that like? 
Well, you mentioned it earlier, you know, that, that there's, there's a tremendous amount of work <clears throat> that has to be done. You know, prior to that day, you walk off the job. Excuse, excuse me. There's there's a lot of logistics. Um, we have we had a strike headquarters, you know that that you know had to be there, and and it was set up to be there, and, and it was functional when we walked on that day. You know, Where was it at? Nineteen nineteen K Street. Nineteen nineteen K Street. <laughs> and we had our union office on on uh, uh, I think it was a twenty eighth Street. 2500 block of 28th Street. Uh, so, yeah, you know. Uh, so, so a lot of logistics. I want to ask you this, because labor was big in Sacramento. Um, what allied labor unions were not only supportive, but what are the ones that you just couldn't have done it without them? Yeah, that's a good question, Brian. Uh, we weren't very active uh, in the labor movement. We were... Parochial, you know, uh, we took care of our own business to the extent that we did. Uh, we belonged to our labor council, but we we weren't active in our labor council. Um, so you know, we did get a strike sanction from our labor council. Uh, but because, you know, we hadn't participated, we didn't get a whole lot of uh, union uh, uh, this. You, on picket lines. I mean, you know, I mean, we had some building trades, you know, that honored our picket lines, but we had more that didn't. But there was one union, you know, uh, that the day we walked on strike, and it was AT Amalgamated Transit Union. Chuck Yelke was the president of the Amalgamated Transit Union. That's the bus drivers, and uh, he was also on the State Federal Laborers Executive Board. The day we walked. We had, we, by agreement, we had, we had already, you know, worked, had contact. We had worked with the president, Yelke, uh, and, and, and they, they were going to withhold their services. And, wow. what, and, and what, what we did was, that with their blessing, was we picketed, you know, the, the, the bus stations, the bus depots, not the station, but the bus depots. So that was their reason they were able to say, we're not crossing. We're the not line. crossing the picket line. Does everybody understand that the firefighters picketed at uh, the workplaces and work sites or dispatch centers for city buses, and because of that, the bus drivers, the amalgamated transit drivers, would not cross the line, which essentially shut down the city bus service. They got they got more more play. You know, as the effect of the buses, you know, have, having <laughs> shut the city down, <laughs> then uh, oh, I didn't bring up too. Well, I will after this, but yeah, and they, and they stayed, they they stayed, they withheld their services for four days, four that's, days. That's oh, strong. That's a lot. That's a that's and, and and then we we you know we by agreement you know they went back to work, but uh, also you know what, what we believed you know and this is really important what we we believed when we went on strike that it would be relatively short you know that that the city would uh, would would be without a fire department you know and that and that we would have the leverage you know to come to a fair and just agreement but Ronald Reagan was a governor and 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 Ronald Reagan uh, ordered the uh, California Department of, of Fort of, of California uh, CDF, CDF, California, uh, it's, it's Cal Fire now, right. you know, but, but they, he, 
he ordered them to become strike breakers. And, and, and they, there was 140 CDF firefighters that came in and manned our stations. Shortly after we left the station, they came in and, and, and uh, became, you know, uh, and, and, and went and, and took over our jobs there. Uh, most of them did it, you know, because they, they were ordered. They, they, they didn't have a choice. They weren't a union department at the time. Right. Um, and some of them, you know, obviously enjoyed it. And, and so, uh, so that was a setback. That was something, you know. A that, different day and a different age. And, 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 and the other thing, too, is the leadership, even, even though they were non-union, the, the leadership of, of CDF. I mean, they were an association. But the leadership of that association uh, supported, supported us, you know, from, from the beginning. Right. One of the things that, you know, that, that I was just, you know, everyone was, was just ecstatic, you know, were, were the CDF wives. The wives of CDF firefighters joined our picket line. There you go. And they picketed uh, uh, the uh, uh, Capitol. They, they, they picketed the Capitol. So there you go. Yes, that there's there's always more to the story. I'm, I'm thank you for that memory. I, I that's I did not know that. So I know that as the strike progressed, um, it it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns and lollipops. It it was hard. It was physical. Um, there were arrests, um, and, and let's kind of talk about you. What was your, what, what, during the strike, what was your job? What did you do? Um, because I think you were pretty central to, um, the story as, as it plays out. Yeah. Well, and the logistics included, you know, every day, you know, uh, you, you had an assignment. I mean, you, you went to the strike headquarters, uh, and they had, they had a, already a business model, you might say, you know, to, to, to worry what, what you're doing to the course of the strike. So, so they had uh, uh, strike captains, you know, uh, that when you go out on a site, you know, there would be, there would be a, uh, maybe a, a, a super, your, one of your firefighters would be in charge, so on and so forth. Uh, so they had an extensive plan and where you picketed, what time you picketed, you know, and, and all of that, uh, as well as, you know, just, the logistics of, of food and, and rest and all of that. Well, for me, you know, uh, I just was mostly, you know, given my my directions, you know, and and uh, I, I wasn't really, really, a, a, I wasn't a strike captain, you know, but we we're often without a strike captain, so somebody kind of had to step up to the plate, and that's what took place at a strike. Uh, uh, but where we were picketing at a particular construction site. Uh, talk me through it, because I think something happened there. Well, yeah, something did happen. Uh, uh, we we're at a, a construction site, uh, construction having to do with a city project, uh, and uh, it was on Fruit Ridge and Franklin Boulevard. But that uh, we probably had maybe 25, 30 firefighters, and we probably had 40 cops there at, at, the, at the scene, at the site. As we were picketing, uh, we uh, we obviously in picketing, you know, uh, caused uh, some disruption, you know, of, of of the construction workers, you know, and as we were walking in front of their equipment, you know, it was kind of hard for them, you know, to to go to get their work underway. Well, so we had a police captain come up to us and and uh, and said, "Look, you got one one minute to move away from the equipment." And let them go to work. 
Yeah, one minute. So we had, well, two of us, Dale Head, you know, uh, it was it was a captain, and myself, we, we, we continued to disrupt their equipment uh, until 59 seconds. I, then I left. I backed off, but Dale didn't purposely. And they, they, took, they just come up, you know, nicely and said, okay, you know, sit in the squad car. <laughs> we're, we're going to remove you from the scene. Uh, so, but then, then it started getting a little more tense, uh, and uh, you know, I, there, there is where I took some, some, you might say, leadership in terms of meeting with the captain, you know, uh, and 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 seeing if we couldn't find a, a pathway, you know, we could pick it without, you know, getting in trouble. And and so, the captain told us, you know, you walk your picket in this area, you know, which was which was fine for us. So we agreed. We agreed that there was a a place to pick it, and and so as as we started that, you know, I'm walking alongside a, a good firefighter friend, and and you know, I hear this cop, you know, start ranting about something. So I, he he was he was saying, you know, get out of here. He was just, you know, he was just being an ass. Uh, and I simply said to him, hey, talk to your captain. You know, he's the one that told us this is where we walk. And after I said that, just walking another 10 steps, he come up from behind me. <laughs> this guy was probably 6'2", probably 215 pounds. Uh, and, and he grabbed me around the neck wow. like a chokehold, you know, from behind. You know, he lifted me off the ground and carried me about 10 feet, you know, off, off the picket line. Fortunately, I couldn't swing at him because I was, I, you know, because I would have, if I would have, if I would have been able, you know, I'd have thrown a punch at out of hope. I'd knocked him on his ass, but I wouldn't have, and he'd probably kill me. Let me say this: <laughs> having known Dick for the better part of thirty years, I can attest that he would have thrown that punch. There's no <laughs> question have. in my mind. <laughs> I would have. So we almost had a riot at that point. It was a conversion. The cops were conversing. The firefighters were converging. It was really, really close. You know, to a brawl. What 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 point in the strike were you? Was that in the beginning, early days, midway? Well, the the strike started on on the seventh. This that the date of that occurrence was the thirteenth. The thirteenth so was about a week about into a week, it. About a week. Into so did it, did it deescalate? Did you get arrested? How'd that end for you? Well, well, the the, the captain and lieutenants come up and they, and they they just got in between us all and and they they headed it off. They they were able to separate us. Uh, and to me, you know, they said the captain said, "Well, I think." You probably want to leave here, you know, at this point in time. <laughs> he says, so, you know, what do you think? Is it time to leave? I said, time to leave. So I left. Uh, and I did have a, a, a neck injury. I mean, he hurt my neck, you know. So then I went, I went there was nothing else. He just leave. That was, I, and it was all cool. Well, when I went to the hospital, you know, uh, because of the neck strain, now the cops got nervous, you know. And, 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 th and then to protect themselves, they issued a warrant for my arrest. That I'll be very, darned. Very what was, and what was the charge? You know, it was like a, a failure to disperse or okay. interfering, interfering with, with the operations of the police or whatever it might have been. It's a phony kind of thing. But they weren't. They did issue a warrant. You know? They hook, they hook you up? Well, they tried. They came. To, they came. <laughs> they couldn't find me. You know, I was always moving around where they never knew where the hell I was going to be. You know, and they came to my house a couple of times at night to you know make to make the arrest. Uh, they never were able to make the rest because I never let them. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but but when the strike was over, you know, and and we were I was back in the station, you know, then I turned myself in. No way. And what did they do? Well, uh there's not a mugshot with you in uniform, is there? Uh-huh. There's not a mugshot with you in uniform, is not there? Not in uniform, no. <laughs> but but there is a mugshot. <laughs> so they really they hooked you up. Oh, they absolutely. took you down yeah. and did. Oh yeah, I'll be darned. Yeah, there there is a mugshot. You know, I was uh, I went in, I was booked. You know, fingerprinted, mugshotted. So, <laughs> it's like so the strike's over. You're back in the fire station, and you turned yourself in. Um, and you were formally arrested. You were mugshotted, booked, fingerprinted. How'd that finish out? Well, let me back up a little bit too, just because this this is a, a, a kind of a highlight too of this right. They they get at some point, you know, is is about this the end of the first week where the city the city uh, told us uh, that uh, he gave us all a letter that that you're going to be subject to termination, discipline up to and including termination if you don't now, go to work. Everybody got everybody, that. Everybody, everybody got that. Everybody got that. Is that kind of is that a point when 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 most of the members, especially the old ones, the guys, the older older veteran guys that really hung it out there, did everybody have a little bit of a sigh of relief that that okay, it looks like we're we're still employed. Up until that letter came, you know, which was threatening. That, that was okay. It that was, was threatening. It okay, it was very threatening. Yeah. So what we did though, uh, we collectively at, at Station Nineteen, about everyone that that was on strike, almost all of us with family, kids, and everyone else. We came to where they they were they were going to have this event take place, uh, and they, we we brought a burn barrel out there a barrel, and they had probably forty cops from every highway patrol and you know Department of Defense and and anything, everything and every so we we took our letters and we made it a burn barrel, and every one of us put our letter in, into the burn barrel. <laughs> Wow, and their their eyes got kind of big, you know, watching us do that. So that that was just a, a, an interesting sideline. It's, it's it goes to the solidarity, it goes to the solidarity, and it goes to the commitment that. Um, See, so that I had I didn't know that, <laughs> and and that speaks really strongly that four hundred and fifteen fire everybody that got a letter burned it, burned it publicly yeah. in front of the city, in front of city administration. Message sent. Solidarity. Yes. There was solidarity. How, and where do we go from there? Well, we, we go from there. Uh, we also took our probationaries out. We had 20 probationaries uh, that, that we also took out on strike with us. One of them was my brother. Uh, Ron went out as a probationary. I didn't. Okay. I knew he was out. I didn't realize he was probationary. So they came on in, in like July. And, and so right after that event at the burn barrel, uh, they terminated the probationaries. They, they flat terminated them, said, you're, you don't have any rights. You know, you're, you, you turn in your badge, your pension, your, you know, contributions are refunded. They did all of that. You were gone. So I'll follow through on that in a bit. Uh, but uh, me, for me personally, then the strike's, o- the, the, the strike's over now. Um, and I've been arrested and uh, I'm scheduled for trial, you know, so... So I do go to trial. You know, they 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 it's, uh, go to a superior court. Superior court. You know, and, and my the charges are are what kind of like I said. You know, failure to disperse. You know, interfering with the duties of a police officer and, and whatever. Um, so uh, I was I, the the international 
for, did a lot of give, gave the union a lot of grant money, you know, okay. for this right. They, like the international, the international the you know, funded my trial, my the wow. attorneys. They okay. funded, they funded it, um, and the uh, the attorney that represented me was was in fact the the attorney group that was uh, representing the Malibu Transit Union. They were they were the attorney of record for bus drivers. Uh, Mel Coben, Coben Cooper, and Zyloff. Bud Zyloff was my attorney, uh, so I'm in court. Uh, and uh, uh, I've, I've, I, 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 the judge, now the judge is kind of ironic. There's a, there's, a, there's a kind of irony here, too. Most people probably don't remember, but we had an attorney general that became a chief justice of the Supreme Court. Earl Warren became a chief justice of the United States. The judge presiding, Supreme Court judge, was Earl Warren Jr. <laughs> 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 anyway, the trial went on. It was about probably almost two weeks. Trial, you know, just had a, a, a lot of the really? witnesses. Really? Wow. Almost two weeks, you know. Um, and, and it included, you know, witnesses being that of, of firefighters, the witnesses being that of the police, and, and that of the, the construction workers. Most of it had had all had all that. So long story short is uh, the judge called the, the attorneys to the bench and said, why are we doing this? This is, this is bullshit. Why is this trial going on? And the, prosec the prosecutor's uh, attorney said, the DA says, Judge, I have to do this. I've been ordered to do this. You know, I've been ordered, directed wow. th this case. We, we, we have, I'm doing this. I have to. And, and what's interesting, the district attorney is a county of Sacramento, correct? The county of Sacramento, yeah. So what the city wanted, they ordered the trial. They wanted to make me an example. They wanted to be, to be found guilty and, and obviously make a termination and say, hey, don't ever do this stuff again because look what happened, happened to this case. <laughs> so anyway, the jury, the jury, <laughs> When it was sequestered, they, they went into jury deliberations. I think they were in about three hours until lunch. They had lunch. I think they waited until after lunch to come back, and, and then I was acquitted. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, wow. It, was there, um, you know, you can't go through something like that. I, I imagine there were skirmishes all over the city at picket lines, not not just yours. I, I imagine there were there were probably some physical altercations in, in different spots? You know, there wasn't too much of that. Okay. Uh, uh, the cops were all on. We, we had good cops. We had older cops, you know, that appreciated all the work that we did, and, and we shared we shared our, our camaraderie. But we had a lot of younger cops that, that you know, thought they were, they were, they were you know, better than we were and supported, you know, the city and all the rest of the stuff. I have to say, too, you, you know, that we had a lot of help on the picket lines. Yeah. We had we had we had buses coming from the Bay Area, uh, Modesto. We had we had strike you know people hopping on the picket. San Francisco sent busloads. A couple of hundred San Francisco firefighters a couple of times came in and helped us on the picket line. We had we had firefighter support from all over California. That kind of that that kind of gives a little bit of light on on 522's relationship not only with with Modesto it's always been strong with San Francisco. I know the LA County and Al Whitehead, you know, um, and Dallas Jones, you guys were all really close at and during those times. So as a strike comes to an end, it comes to a conclusion um, what does it look like? Did you guys feel um, success is, is it, success is very hard to define? 
You know, some people would would define success, uh, success in this instance that everybody in the city was slain. They were all beat the hell out of. We owned them. We this, we that. But that's not usually how success in an event like that works. And it never fully looks like what you wanted it to look like, but there's still success in it. Tell, tell me about the strike ends um, and what that led to and the successes. I know you get, I know there were successes and failures. There always are. But w- what, what were Sacramento and Local 522 able to take out of this um, and how does it affect our future today? You make a good point. Uh, you know, the issues that we, we, were, we were negotiating had to do with holidays, holidays that we, we didn't have uh, scheduled, the hours, you know, um, salary, pay. All of those, all of those were, were the issues, per se. Um, when the strike ended, what strike ended, it ended because we had a temporary restraining order by, by Judge uh, Bill Gallagher was a Superior Court judge, and he had issued temporary restraining for the strike. We di- we disobeyed it, um, but when it came down to then a finalization, uh, where this it became a permanent restraining order, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, in terms of the legality. Now we were faced with with jail time. You know, so we had a union meeting. We had we had again the uh, the value of the international and and. Uh, so you guys pushed this to the absolute hilt. Right, right to the hilt. Uh, so it was because of that, when he made that ruling, it became a permanent uh, restraining order, and we had no choice but go back to work. Probationers were still fired. And so what, what happened at, at the end of the strike, you know, we went back to work, um, and uh, the mayor, uh, Richard Marriott, was the mayor? We had a council that was silent. We had one one guy on one guy on the city council that that we adored. Who was we it? adored? Rich Negro, uh, Feather River Water uh, Company, and and he and he was our council guy. He was the only one of the nine that that spoke out for us. You know, spoke out for arbitration. So, so but we had a mayor. You know that uh, could care less about us. But the mayor happened, you know, interestingly, uh, to work for his employment, full-time job and employment, his livelihood, was he was the editor-publisher of the Labor Bolden of Sacramento <laughs> Central Council. Sacramento I'm just going to say it. Are you shitting me? No. no. He, was, he, he was a wow. full-time employee. So we, we, we went to, to uh, Joe Zelensky, the executive secretary of our Labor Council, and said, Joe, you know, this is something you have to do. You were, and we're telling you, uh, no uncertain terms. You have to do this. You have to tell your employee, you know, that those probationaries are coming back, or your history, Mister Mayor. And they did, <laughs> and our guys were back shortly thereafter. <laughs> There's always leverage. You so, always got to watch. Yeah. So, so from there, the, the the real. So we didn't win particularly our issues for that moment. Uh, but we won the strike. The, we, we won that strike. We defeated the city in the biggest and the best way. And that was they made our union a union. When I got hired in 85, that I could still feel that. And I still feel it today. And, there, Dick, there's so much more to cover here. <laughs> um, 
and and as I look back as as a president um, coming in after uh, my president Dick Mayberry, and I think about the gains of of uh, the firefighters in the '70s that went out on strike, and the things that we have today, and everybody needs to understand this: you did not have these things prior to um, members of your union. Um, taking the kind of actions that they did in the 60s and the 70s, and I'll name them off. You know, I came in, we didn't have dental insurance. We didn't have vision insurance. Uh, we didn't have FLSA. We worked. Our overtime was straight time, and we were very glad to have it. We didn't have union release time. We had to bargain for that. Um, we didn't... We didn't have shift trades. No, we didn't have shift trades. We didn't have the kind of sick leave allowances that we have today. We don't have the kind of vacation. You can look at everything in an MOU today, and it really stems back to those days and that, I would say, that decade of time between probably 1967 and 1977. That is what made, um, to me, in California, fire service labor. There were strikes all over the state, Vallejo, San Francisco, um, Palo Alto, some, and if I'm getting them wrong, I apologize, no, you're, but- you're right. the, there were things happening everywhere. We need to internalize and strengthen our union movement as firefighters. We need to ally up with our partners in labor, whether it's the building trades, the amalgamated transit workers, the nurses, the teachers. And there are things at play on a much bigger scale today to, tear, to take us apart. Yeah. And it generally isn't your city. It generally isn't your legislation. But there are or legislators, there are folks in those areas that would do that. And there are groups that would do that. And, and I think where I want to leave our membership as we build our union legacy and reignite it, men and women, never forget the wolf is always at the door. And they don't knock and they don't ask. They bust the door down. And I'm going to ask you, Dick, um, for your closing thoughts on this. My closing thoughts are, are this, Brian. Thank you. Um, when, I, when I said they made our union, this became a benchmark. This, this was a benchmark. The benchmark was before and after. After means this. We were a union of, of the city firefighters, by, of 415 firefighters, 522. We had probably... 18 fire districts and other cities, you know, that were, were not union at all. Within, within probably three to five years, we grew from a, a single uh, city fire union to those mergers and consolidations uh, and, and, be, and becoming a part of, of Sacramento Firefighters 522. Uh, we took in probably 15 or 17 different fire agencies within two and become union sit five two two firefighters. We I mean we we had cities that were then at the time Woodland, Davis, uh, Roseville, uh, Cameron Park, uh, you know, uh, West Sacramento. I mean and then all of these fire districts uh, uh, came into our union, and subsequently we merged most all of those into becoming Sac City. An amalgamated and, and union. amalgamated union, Metro. Uh, we probably took all of those 15, 18 over the years 
and brought them into now where we have about six, seven agencies that are all five team, you know, membership. Uh, we also, we also uh, became right away. I mean, the day after we, we, we became active in our labor council, we stayed active. We're active. In our labor, we're, we're, we have a presence. We're respected in the labor movement. And, uh, uh, we got political the, that next day. You know, uh, we had an election shortly after the strike, and uh, we elected. We had we had these silent, worthless, you know, council persons that were there were <laughs> minions. There were minions of the managers. So we elected Phil Eisenberg. I you remember know, Phil. We elected Lloyd Connolly. I remember Lloyd. Th these were both became assemblymen. Uh huh. We one elected one Bob Matsui, Bob who became a congressman. Yep. We elected uh, uh, Ann Rudin. Uh, we, we, and the one thing we asked in, in, in when we made endorsements for those elections, we only asked one thing. Tom Hebner was assistant city manager. Rathon was retiring. We said, you can pick any city manager in the world. Don't appoint Tom Hebner. And they didn't. When, when Rathon retired, he got dumped. He left the city of Sacramento humiliated because he didn't get the job. He went to San Antonio. Wherever he, we went, we followed him. We <laughs> sent letters to their media, their, the unions. We, we haunted that guy. He ended up dying, you know, uh, working as a city manager in a little small uh, town, you know, uh, outside of Palm Springs. That's where he did. I had on my list to continue following him. I put it in the back. I was going to send a letter to that little town. He died on, on a bike trail or something, so. So you didn't have to send didn't your letter. Didn't have to send that letter. That's almost a mic drop right there, that you <laughs> followed the city manager through his career. <laughs> to Almost to his death. <laughs> uh, uh, Dick, there's so much more to go over. Yeah, there is. Um, and I just, I, I, Dick, I just want to thank you for joining me, um, not only to talk about this event, but the history of Local 522 and our firefighter union movement. You, you've just had a front row seat to that, and not just a seat, you have been an active, active um, participant. And myself and, and, and everybody, we, we owe you and, and many, many others that we don't even know um, a debt of gratitude, a thank you, and in my opinion, to put our North Star up that we can follow. And, and I do believe we are following that to make it better, to make the job better, to make it as safe as you can in a dangerous work environment. You laid the history of that, men all across this state, too numerous to mention. Um, this is a kind of history that not only do we need to make sure that our members know it, but we need to live by it. And we need to grow um, and meet the needs of the time and um, the circumstance and the situations that we're in. And we absolutely have to be fully engaged. And I think that's one of the things that, that you've taught me and, and, and many other um, union leaders, um, past and present, have taught us we have to stay relevant, we have to stay in tune, and we have to keep pushing the ball forward um, for our members. So we, have to have, we have to have solidarity. Solidarity. If, have, if divide and conquer, that's out there. Oh, it's out there. It's, if, we don't stay, if we don't stay together as, as the family, if we've been and always hopefully will be, with solidarity, 
And that's, you know what? We're going to close out with that. Solidarity is one of the, is the, it's our sentinel. It's the most important thing we have. And um, with that, I want to thank you, Dick. Um, to our listeners, thank you for um, listening in to another episode of the CPF uh, Firewire. I'm Brian Rice. I'm the president of the California Professional Firefighters. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. You can also find CPF Firewire at the CPF website, www.cpf.org, and on the CPF YouTube page. We're always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line, info at cpf.org. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Carol Wills. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. Please join us next month for another edition of CPF Firewire.